so the reason I'm so tired, I didn't get back uh, to my house till 2.30 in the morning. And the reason was I was out whooping some ass at Magic once again. Let me, let me, let me tell you guys. So let me just brag a, a little bit here. Here we go. <laughs> All right. I went, I went and drafted last night. I thought we were going to be drafting the, the core set like I've been drafted, like I've been talking about on the website and stuff. No. They they threw like this this older set on us, which I had never even looked at before. My first time seeing the cards was, you know, cracking the packs and and drafting. I uh, I took first place with a set I wasn't even familiar with. So did do you like win a new car? No, I won more packs. Huh? Does that do you like get into like some kind of you know next round where then you can win a new car? Well, this no. Is mu- this is much like the drug dealers. <laughs> Why don't everybody get together and buy an eight ball, and whoever wins dice gets to have more of the eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> Your prize is. is more cocaine. Congratulations. It is, <laughs> it is. It is a lot like that. I mean, uh, on the uh, you know on the store level, the a store level tournament, you're just going to win you know store credit or more packs or whatever. But you know, it's not. It, you know, you'd have to go like. The more professional tournaments to actually win money. So, so Jonathan, what's the secret to your success? You know, I have no idea because uh, both times uh, that I've drafted, I've taken first place, and uh, both times I felt absolutely horrible about my deck. He wears a Cobra Kai T-shirt on the back. It says "Mercy is for the weak." I guess I, I guess, feel awful about my deck too. I, I feel. <laughs> I feel that you guys were the wrong, the wrong uh, audience for that for that uh, story. And they're amazing friends. I'm Aaron. <laughs> See, I thought I'm I was Polly. Gonna today. <laughs> this is Wayne. Uh, this is Jonathan. And this is Tim. All right. I want to clear something up for you bastards that were on last week who Here didn't we think I would answer the question about whether I would sleep with my own clone. He's going to hang up. We had anger. one person say the- hang up. We <laughs> had one person say that I'd give wishy-washy answers. So let's do the math on this. A clone of me is going to be a redhead, which is just plain hot. You don't get hotter than a redhead. It's going to be a genetically duplicate. So there's going to it's not going to be overweight like me. It's going to be in shape. And all of this, it's your sister bullshit. No, it didn't come out of your mother. It wasn't created by your father. It's a genetic duplicate. It's a thing to be used and used and used. Hell yeah, I would sleep with my clone. She would be hot. She would have my memory so she would know what I like. You don't get better than sleeping with your own clone. Why, why do well, I, I don't know about like... the rest of you, but I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm, not, like I'm that, not uncomfortable at all. I kind of think that Wayne had that speech prepared since like ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's like, I, I just want someone to ask me the question. 
I, I, re- I respect I respect your answer, Wayne. And uh, I mean, I agree. Like if I if I had a, a female or male clone of myself, I would I would sleep with it. And you know, I'd sleep with your clone too. <laughs> my clone, my clone would be pretty hot. So I mean, I can understand that. There would be a line, but I would be in front of the line. Bitch Wayne, bitch Wayne would be hot. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> What's the point in having a clone if it's not hot? I, I agree. I agree. Now, would you harvest her organs when it was time? Well, if you have cloning ability, you could clone more and just have an organ farm. You don't harvest the one you're having sex with. I I agree. You know, but maybe you know she ages out and you know blooms off the rose, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, if or, she's like you know, you know, if she's in her thirties or forties, then yeah, harvest some <laughs> organs. Yeah, yeah well, maybe I, she I, falls I, in love with you. I, I'd no, be I'd be honest fact. with the uh, with the clones and let them know what they're all about. You know, I'm like, hey, you guys are spare parts. You're my fleshlight. Just remember, it's all fun and games until the clone girlfriend starts acting like your wife. Then you got to dump her. Not dump her. Harvest her organs. I saw saw something cool on TV. Uh, I was watching uh, ESPN, uh, and there's a show called E60. And basically, it's like this round table sports thing but that's not the point the point was in the beginning montage they show everybody like getting ready to you know go to work or whatever and so i was thinking it'd be a fun experiment to do that for funny books so we're going to play a little game here on funny books um and so what i want you to do is i want you to pick a host and then explain what they do right before they get here so let me start off so i can give you guys an example so take for i i, I picked aaron so Aaron gets up, puts on a nice three-piece suit, gets on the burrow, starts heading to the office where he records, and then he sees a woman eating a banana lewdly, and then he throws up, and he gets to the office and starts recording. The woman eating a banana lewdly would never cause me to throw up. Ever. What if it was a, a bad banana? No, that, you know, if it was if it was particularly bruised, yeah, yeah, I could <laughs> see that. Aaron, what, what about that? What about that time at uh, Fear the Con with the? And I was had the banana. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, okay. You know, maybe someone hot will make you throw up while they're eating a banana. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I, hadn't, I hadn't connected those dots. I, I appreciate your help. Finger cuffs. <laughs> 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 so is it my turn now, Tim? Yep. Pick somebody else. Okay, well, uh, I know how Jonathan uh, prepares for, uh, for for the podcast. He uh, he uh, generally sleeps through it, or <laughs> or uh, uh, he he takes a huge colossal dump prior to in his Spider-Man footy pajamas, <laughs> <laughs> or during our brightest day update. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, I'll go next. I envision Tim waking up, tiptoeing around the house so he doesn't wake anyone up, grabbing his laptop, sliding out into the garage, setting up in the car, looking around, make sure that no one got woke up, no one was disturbed, and then whispering into the mic the whole time. <laughs> Making sure the cops don't notice me and think I'm a predator with my laptop yep. headset. <laughs> oh, he broke the I, game. Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> I picture a very animated Paul <laughs> jumping out of bed in the morning, taking shots of coffee, like in shot glasses. He's just got them lined up across the counter. 
and then going to his office where he begins to record while pacing around wildly around his desk. <laughs> and every now and then, every now and then, ripping out his mic cord. <laughs> Other than the coffee, that's probably straight on. <laughs> also, that's just I'm pacing right energy. now. Well, and Paul's literally animated. You know, he's Paul yeah. the animated series. I mean, you know, you're too. <laughs> I'm like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Please, Eddie. No. Um, all right. So who's left? Uh, Wayne. Wayne. Oh, uh, I don't know what the fuck Wayne does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I like it. <laughs> Well, if you, you know, don't you, know, you if you don't know, you can't testify. Well, he he rolls out of bed first thing in the morning and does not drop on his wife. You know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> he calls a bunch of people, hangs up the phone when they say hello. <laughs> I know he gets I know he gets out a large broom and sh- and uh, shoves all the cats out of the room. Uh, except that Zamboni one with the, style. with the frickin' bell on his neck. <laughs> That's his clone. That's not his cat. That's his opposite <laughs> gender clone. <laughs> usually I have to push your mom out of bed, Paul, because I can't get out of bed without doing that. I can, Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to do that before your wife comes home from the midnight shift. But <laughs> <laughs> And I, I imagine him practicing all his lines in front of a mirror, like that speech about the clone. Uh-huh. He's like, as soon as... As I hear, and I'm Tim, bam, I'm going to launch into it. Please, I was practicing that as soon as I heard the episode last week. <laughs> <laughs> now, is he wearing some kind of, you know, fanciful hat while he's practicing? He's wearing a tuxedo him? shirt. Tuxedo? Not like, about- a tu- not like a real tux shirt, like the fake ones that you put on for uh, s- school pictures. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, he's wearing like a, a Captain America shirt with the, the little tux thing on the tucked on the top of it with the bow tie. Uh huh. Uh huh. I can but what see about, that. I, I'm I'm kind of picturing a fanciful hat with like a big feather. Ooh, ooh, I like it. Yeah, I, I had the Batman a poncho in mine. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about the Batman poncho. You know, I'm I took it to Gen Con and I never walked thought. outside in the rain. Oh, I'm sorry. Are there any other losers who wear their Green Lantern rings while they record the podcast, like me? That's just you. Nope. Yep. I don't wear it while recording the podcast, but anytime I go to a comic book movie, I'm wearing it. <laughs> uh, I only uh, <laughs> yeah, I in public. I only wear my Green Lantern cock ring. <laughs> I even wore my Green Lantern ring when I saw Kick Ass, which has nothing to do with DC whatsoever. Did you wear it to Scott Pilgrim last night? No, I didn't. I forgot it. I would have if I would have remembered it though. Fail, Wayne. Epic fail. We called you out on the podcast. It's all five of us. You know what I else? What else I think? Uh, what I else? You know what else I think uh, is is kind of a fail. Stan Lee is going to be doing uh, some books with Boom. Have y'all seen that? I did mm-hmm. see that, and generally, my opinion on Stan at this point is that he needs to retire and quit writing books. Yeah, nothing he's written in the last ten years has been worth reading. I mean, I hate to bag on the guy because he did create all these characters that I love, and yeah, and all. But he's lost his touch. I mean, it was very apparent when I was watching Who Wants to Be a Superhero a couple of years ago, just how out of touch he is with comics. Yeah. I mean, the guy was going on about how Spider-Man would never reveal his, his secret identity two weeks before Spider-Man revealed his secret identity. Right. I mean, well, just, keep, in, keep in mind that, that Stan Lee made a lot of decisions – at uh, at Marvel that they no longer make today. Yeah, they no, no longer abide by. You know, yeah, like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, Stan Lee was a big part of pushing for 
one Marvel world universe. Yeah, one yeah. world. So yeah. I, I would like to, I would like to see Stanley not write comic books, but instead get uh, Joe Casas job. Well, you know his 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 arrangement with Boom isn't so much uh, writing as it is consulting, and so there's there's several titles that he's going to be consulting on: uh, Starborn, Soldier Zero, and The Traveler. And The Traveler is a time uh, travel story, and you know uh, they were saying that you know the guy doesn't care whether he messes with history or not. Had he been standing in uh, Dealey Plaza in '63, Kennedy wouldn't have been killed. He's uh, he'll he'll worry about the repercussions later. So you're not going to have to worry about a bunch of uh, you know you know consequences to to what he does, or he's not concerned about them. They'll just happen. But you know the, the Soldier Zero artwork looks pretty good, and you've got guys like Paul Cornell working on these books. But what they're doing is that they're kind of coming up with the idea, going to Stan, and Stan's giving them direction on this kind of stuff. All it seems to me like they're doing is they're trying to just use Stanley's name to sell books. And definitely because it'll work. Wait, will it? That's what I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> I'm not buying them. Yeah, I mean, I the Stanley books that I've read, like you said, over the last ten, fifteen years. Have stunk so hard. Um, I, I don't know who's buying these. The casual reader. The casual reader will walk in, see the name Stan Lee, know what that means, and may give the title a shot when they wouldn't have otherwise. We're definitely not the casual readers anymore, though. True. Wait, wait I don't know. Experts. You guys sold me. You guys sold me on on at least the time travel book. That was not my intent. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Here's, here, here's my problem, though. Because I don't really give a rip about Stanley. He's getting paid to do what we do for free, right? Right. It, except, that, except he gets the benefit of seeing it before it's done, so that they can make a change. Whereas we just get to rag on it once it's done. We just get to we get to rage against the dying of the light. Exactly. Lame. But yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh man, I I can't believe somebody else is doing this. And you know, I, the, I, and maybe they'll surprise me because I think that Boom is a very well run publisher. You know, I think that they that they put out some some just very high quality books. Um, most of what I've read from Boom, I've really enjoyed. So maybe this will maybe this will surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I get the impression they are just using him for his name. So their book is going to be their book with or without him. Yeah, and I agree. I've enjoyed a lot of what Boom has done. So I'll probably pick up at least one of the new titles. Probably Suckers. the trap. Probably the time travel one, because you kind of <laughs> sold me on that one, too. Damn it! <laughs> Did you guys not learn from Stan Lee Presents by DC Comics? Oh, shit, Did those were awful. <laughs> those were so bad. Well, and I mean, the, the Silver Aaron Surfer. Sold, Aaron sold me what he said. He's not writing these, though. He's just consulting. He didn't write those either, did he? No, I think he actually wrote those. Oh, oops. <laughs> we do research here at Funny Books. Right <laughs> well, I, I, I just I saw that and you know, blech. but you know, apparently, I need to uh, use my my powers for good because apparently I've just sold two of these books. So, all right, damn it. So comics. <laughs> <laughs> so brightest day update. Uh, <laughs> speaking speaking of comics that shouldn't be bought. Kings of the Transitions. <laughs> Look at that. And just like that, it didn't work. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Emerald Warriors number one uh, came out this week. The first issue of the new Guy Gardner starring series uh, written by Peter Tomasi with art by Fernando Passarin. And a couple of us read it. Gave it a shot on the first issue. What would you think, Aaron? 
God, I loved it. I really enjoyed this book. Um, I, 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 number one, the artwork is just beautiful. I loved the uh, the scenes where Guy is is bringing in the uh, spaceship that's got the hostages and the the illegal arms and all that kind of fun stuff. That was just those pages were just fun. Um, you, it's it's kind of setting up a story where you know bunch of bunch of bad stuff going on. Um, you you suspect that the guardians are up to something or something is affecting the guardians, and we're going into the unknown sector and we just don't know about the unknown sector because why? It's unknown. Um, I, I liked it. I dug this book. I thought it was very entertaining. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I echo a lot of what Aaron said. The artwork was awesome. I've been waiting for a Green Lantern book that was worth a damn um, because I, I really like Guy Gardner and I think Hal Jordan's a puss. So yeah. getting this book was kind of cool. I was a, There was a couple of spots I was a little lost in, so maybe you guys can help me out and maybe help other new readers out. There's a there's a one page scene where there's a there's a lantern on the ground at some unknown uh, planet. Is that Ion? Oh no, that is uh, yes, that's Ion, yeah. uh, who used to be in the the Daxum star, right? To keep the the star alive. Yeah, he, what he was yellow. doing, he went into the star. Yeah, to keep the star yellow because it it affected the Daxamites like the yellow sun affects Superman. Right. Um, and uh, in one of the issues of Green Lantern, he was pulled out of it by a villain, and so he kind of crash-landed to the planet. Okay. And the other question I, I, I generally had was, when did this Atrocitus Pact happen? Um, shortly after the end of Blackest Night. Yeah, I think it was the first Green Lantern issue after Blackest Night. Yeah. So I mean the the books are very t- are tied very closely together obviously, but um no I I enjoyed the hell out of this book I thought it was really good you know uh, echoing what you said about the art the art was dynamite um yeah. that two page spread where he takes out the uh, the spaceship with like his his baseball bat. bat or something <laughs> yeah yeah man that was beautiful well and he just he um, made the you know one of the constructs that guy creates is he makes this you know green lantern motorcycle that he's riding through space on and the use of that and the the, the way the action is portrayed is just fantastic it really is it's just it's just really well done and there's a lot of energy on those pages i particularly like uh, in this book, that we get to see a little bit of his little red lantern inside of him. Yeah, yeah just which briefly. we knew would come up eventually. Yeah, I have to agree. I've never seen some of the some of the cool things that guy has done with this lantern with anybody else. Yeah, it's uh, this is an awfully good book. It sets it up for a nice run. I, I'm excited. You know, I, I I know that Tim has not enjoyed the uh, Lantern books, but I think we've got three really good books a month now between Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors, and uh, uh, Green Lantern Corps. I just I'm I'm really excited about all three of these books. Now, that book that Gant is looking at, yes, the book of the black. Like is is that like the Phantom Zone sort of? So that person's kind of trapped there looking. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what happened to her, but that that's the book that the Black Lanterns were keeping, or that uh, Scar, the Scarred Lan- uh, Guardian, what was her name? Yeah, her name was Scar. Scar. Um, she was right. keeping the, the, the Book of the Black, and uh, you know she imprisoned that person within the book itself. Okay, because the only thing I was thinking during that whole thing is, if this is like the Phantom Zone, Guy should like tell Gantt to go, pit, to go 
take a hike for five minutes so he could laser her face. <laughs> that's a... <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're violent inside, Tim. Violent. Yeah. That's why, the, that's no, why um, the Red Planet was nice, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I like, just I love that, that page that Ganthet's looking at that shows, you know, Hal and... Uh, 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 guy fighting, he turns the page as as guard as guy comes up. You know, oh, don't want him to see that. But, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. and uh, what I really wanted this book to suck. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right now. I really wanted this book to suck because I did not want to buy three Green Lantern books a month. Sure, you did. Um, no, I didn't. I'm not buying Brightest Day. But uh, no, the. It, it really impressed me, so it, it's you know I, I'm I'm signed up for for next issue, and unless next issue sucks, you know I'm going to keep it going. Yeah, I, you know I I'm kind of curious as to how they're able to keep such top talent on the Green Lantern books in terms of the artwork. You know, because all three of them have got just stunning artwork in them, and still get the books out on time. You know, that's a that's a, that's a big deal too. And I'm sure that's all part of elevating Green Lantern in preparation for the film that's coming out next year. But uh, I, I'm I'm really impressed with the work that's going on here. You know, I think I have another DC book that's got to go in the monthly hopper. Good for you, Tim. I do. Look at that. We should have gotten Jonathan to read it. <laughs> hey, you know, Jonathan would actually probably enjoy this book. Yeah, but he can't hear us because it's a Brightest Day update, so Jonathan's in the bathroom right now. Yeah, yeah. moving his bowels. That's what Jonathan's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Another brightest day book is Justice League Generation Lost, and I'm real curious to see what Wayne thought because uh, you know the last three issues straight have been good in this series. So it was about time for a miss for me. So this one didn't do it for you? No, it wasn't as bad as the early bad ones when we were getting one good issue, one horrible issue, one good issue, one horrible issue. Right. It did have some moments. I really hope the uh, Max Lord's future Flash, where he's killing Magog. I hope that happens. Oh yeah, like, wasn't that that was awesome? I was like, oh yeah, I, yeah let's keep Max Lord around for that. Yeah, because I <laughs> hate that character and I want to yeah. see him dead. The dialogue wasn't bad in it, like it was in some of the early issues. It's just the story just didn't pull me this time. And I think part of it is the same complaint I had with Secret Avengers a couple months ago. Everyone looks exactly the same in the book this month. Mm-hmm. They're all disguised in the. Uh, the rocket red costumes spouting anti-American propagandas. It just didn't do it for me. And I think that's a big part of it is you can't tell which character is which. Now, <clears throat> Wayne, you, you, you brushed over the scene with Magog and Max Lord. Um, and we really need to emphasize that this future vision is Max Lord feeding Magog, have it forcing Magog mentally to feed his own weaponized hand thing. Uh, into his mouth, and Magog is begging for his life like a bitch. You know, yeah, not like pain. this, no. And then he, you know, shoots off his own he- head. I mean, I just the single best appearance by Magog that I've ever seen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, I agree with you. This one was not as good as the last three have been. I didn't hate it. It just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. The dialogue was was good. The conversations were good. It just didn't do it for me. Yeah. yeah. And that is what I have to say about that. But, you know, speaking of disappointments, <laughs> let's talk about the biggest disappointment I had this week. 
That must be Superman 702. It must be. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, on Twitter earlier this week, I said that a book was not only horrible, it grossly offended me. And everyone asked what it was, and I refused to tell them because I'm a bastard. Um, he told me. This was that book. I told Wayne. But this was that book. Oh, my God. This book was awful. But it wasn't awful in terms of it being poorly written, in my opinion. It was awful in terms of the Superman that's being portrayed in this book is a dick. Yeah. And is a hypocrite. Very much so. Very much a hypocritical dick. And, and I'm just like, I don't like this guy. I don't want to read this book. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind Superman, you know, being edgy or something, but I do. I don't. I'm not interested in reading Super Dick. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I mean, come on. I'm an alien from another planet. And it's OK for me to be here because I was sent here as a baby. Right. You guys that came here, you alien species that I just found that's living peacefully in secret. It's not OK for you to be here. You just can't come live here just because you were about to die. But it's okay for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, let's clarify the story a little bit. So, J. Michael Straczynski, this is the second issue of the Grounded storyline in which Superman is supposed to be trekking across America, reconnecting with the American people. So in the second issue, he comes across aliens from outer space, uses them to save a dying man, and then saves Detroit's economy. Yeah. yeah. Am I missing well, something here? Is, 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 was that pretty much what happened? Well, and, and let's let's start from the beginning <clears throat> because Superman uh, rolls up on uh, these guys playing basketball. Inner city gu- a group of guys playing basketball, and you know here comes Superman doing his best Harlem Globetrotters twirling the ball on his finger. Hey, you know, okay, if I dial in, and he's going to play basketball with these guys, and so of course he's using his superpowers, and he's skunking these guys. And there's one guy who, you know, he's about to walk off the court because, you know, he's not going to play. And, you know, he says, no, no, you know, Superman says, no, all of you guys against me. And the guys are going, oh, no, Marky G, he can't play for it's OK. It won't make much difference either way with him. And so they, they bring the, you know, the guy who can't play very well into the game and Superman lets him block him. You know, using his superpowers against everybody else, but the guy who... Uh, you know, isn't a very good player, takes the ball from Superman, and they were able to score a point. The guy who's drawn to look like Steve Urkel. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, Superman walks off, and all the guys are going, hey, yeah, look, you know, after Marky G picked your pocket. Marky G, dude, you are the man. And Superman walks off, haha, you know, I, I just made this guy's life, you know. I'm like, yeah, come on. You're going to play basketball with Superman. You're going to lose. Or you're going to say, hey, no superpowers. You know, and I just I, I just think this is a jerky kind of thing where the guy walks in off the street and he's going to make everybody's life better. And it just annoyed me, you know, and that smug look on Superman's face as he's walking out. It just annoyed me. And then we pick up where he, uh, Superman identifies the aliens, outer space aliens living under the guise of people right here in Detroit. And then they save Detroit's economy. Yeah, because Detroit, which is dealing with some of the hardest economic times ever, wants to see Superman save their economy with the help of aliens in a comic book. Yeah. And you know what? I was even more annoyed by the fact that Superman outs these aliens to the government. Yeah. They're trying to live here in secret. The government just attempted to kill 
Superman's people in the last storyline. Yep. The government blew up New Krypton, and Superman doesn't see a reason why these people feel the need to be secret from the government. I I don't get what he's getting at with the Superman. Why this holier-than-thou attitude? Why that ever stands yeah. that he would he would out these aliens to to anyone well, and why bit, he has a problem with them they're living peacefully and this bit of dialogue between superman and the aliens you know superman says you can't just come here from an alien world and the alien says well you did and he says well i was an infant oh so good enough for you not good enough for us sent from an exploding planet and he's and, and you know the, the, the aliens are going you know we were we were suffering tyranny you know it was it would have been you know similar to death and Superman's not buying any of that. And his thing is, could you possibly have picked a worse time to immigrate here illegally? And I'm like, come on. This is just – it is such a departure from the Superman we've always known. And again, I'm not opposed to changing Superman up because I think that oftentimes he is portrayed as too perfect. But the one thing that has always been the grounding foundation of Superman has been his upbringing by the Kents and that he never saw himself as superior to other people. And that yeah. is not the Superman you're getting in this book. You know, the, the idea of him walking among people is that he was supposed to be grounded and re, you know, uh, uh, you know, find his roots again among humanity because he's been too far above humanity for too long. And I don't get that. I get that as, you know, you know, Superman's walking among you and he's setting stuff the way he wants to set it. I, I'm yeah. done. I am absolutely done with this. He's very smug. He's very holier than thou. He's making snap decisions that I just don't envision the character of Superman making. I I don't know what he's getting at with this story. Yeah. Well, and I won't find out because I'm, I'm not coming back. This was my last issue. I will come back just for one more issue because I want to see Batman call him on it. Well, and, and I want to see that conversation. Let's point out the Batman that's on the last page is Bruce Wayne. If they're drawing him straight, that's Bruce Wayne. Yep, costume-wise. Yeah. Definitely. And so it's – and I'm with you. I mean there's that part of me. I want to know, is that really Bruce? Um, because if it's not, they deliberately drew that to manipulate you. Yep, because I don't care if Dick Grayson tries to give – you know, give him the speech. I want to see Bruce give him the speech. Right. Bruce is his friend. Dick isn't his be- his best friend. Right. But yeah, I mean, as he is depicted, that's Bruce. So I'm kind of curious about that. But I'm not curious enough. No, I'm not. I'm I'm willing to let Wayne buy it and tell me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that curious. That's Someone's got to take that guys. bullet. And, I mean, and hell, I'm not getting Booster Gold anymore because of how bad it was last yeah, time. I, I dropped it up this week. I dropped so Booster I, as well. I have another few dollars I can spend on another bad book. <laughs> There's logic. It's his bad book fund. <laughs> That's right. But you know what book wasn't bad this week? The finale, at least um, as far as Incredible Hulk was concerned, of World War Hulks. Uh, Incredible Hulk 611 came out this week, um, and I think Hulk, the the Hulk finale comes out next week. Um, and there's two big battles. This week is the battle between Green Hulk and Scar, uh, and next week is the battle between Green Hulk and Red Hulk, and that will finally conclude the World War Hulk saga. And so 
you know, I, I know a couple of guys tried to get into World War Hulks when it first started, uh, hated that Zero issue. And, um, you know, only Jonathan and I really kind of stuck it out for the, the majority of the, the storyline. But Tim picked up this week's book, too. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what you thought of it, Tim. Well, uh, the reason I picked it up is because I, I secretly like Scar. I've, I've liked that character. I actually had a couple of the books prior when he was on his old planet. So I was kind of curious to see if they were going to take, you know, if they were actually going to kill him or not. So uh, that's kind of why I got this book. And it was, it's been building up for, you know, a month and a half or whatever. Um, I, I like the, I definitely like the art. Um, you know, uh, Pelletier does a really nice job in, in, in the artwork section. And I like the colors too. It was very cool to see the, the gray versus the green, kind of throughout the whole book um as far as the story goes i was a little confused to be honest i I wasn't sure what why why hulk was seeing his father in scar and it took me a while it took me to the very end to figure it out that he was really seeing himself so i i I liked it i i thought it was a good book i don't i don't necessarily know if i'm going to be on board because i got the feeling from what they're saying that it's going to be Hulk and Scar and Satin Red She-Hulk and and they're going to try to be a Hulk family or something. I don't know, but I liked it. Uh, all the Hulks were what pulled me away from the book. There are just too many of them. Yeah, and, and none they're of them are not die. dying. Nope. The one thing I've I've rode this to the end, just like certainly some of these will die. No. Not a single death. It's awful. I hated this book. Hated it. Did you really? I hated it. Especially the end. I've been waiting. Uh, I mean, I there were no Hulk books last month. I mean, there were like the one shots that were crappy. But, you know, Incredible Hulk took took the month off. So I had to wait that entire month just think about, man, the Hulk and Scar, they're going to throw down. It's going to be awesome. You know, and I bet this is where Scar dies because, you know, the Hulk's just coming back. So, you know, I think Scar's going to die here. This, It's going to actually be the Green Hulk that's going to start killing off the other Hulks. Nope. Lame. I'm out. I, I can't lie. I dug it. I, uh, well, and, you're and, yeah. a fool. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> but, you know, it's – I, I kind of knew – okay, so again, this is the battle between Hulk and Scar. It's his son, his son who's been wanting to kill him all this time. Not Bruce Banner. He wants to kill the Hulk because the Hulk is the one who left him behind on the planet and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of knew – you. I knew going into this book that at the end there, there would be like a reconciliation. There would be hugging involved. Um, but I, I like how – you know, Bruce Banner kind of, you know, it, it kept flashing back to his abusive father during the fight and, you know, how I, – I don't know. I liked the way it, it, it wrapped up. In fact, after reading this book, I added Incredible Hulk to my monthly pull list. I was just reading it for World War Hulks and Follow the Hulk and I, or Follow the Hulks and I figured I'd drop it after and now I'm picking it up. I, you are I, out I really of your mind. It. I dug it. How- I dug it. And how, how are you going to continue to read a book that's just got hulks all over the place? <laughs> yeah, for, for Fall of the Hulks, they seem to multiply like rabbits instead of falling. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, uh, like, 
is the Green Hulk really that important anymore considering there's all these Hulks running around? And if you ask me, pound for pound, out of all the Hulks in these stories, the Red Hulk is the only one with any sort of decent characterization. So that, that'd be the one that, that I would stick to with a book. But, I mean, time will tell. Next week will tell whether or not I, I, uh, stay on board that book. Cause if it, if, if, if Thunderbolt Ross and Bruce Banner end up hugging it out at the end, um, I might, I might kill animals is what I'm saying. <laughs> now, I, I just want to say that Jonathan, Jonathan's point is entirely rendered moot by the fact that he said the Red Hulk was the only one with good characterization. The Red Hulk's the Red Hulk's been awesome, dude. Yes. Like, see, you're not helping your point here. <laughs> I, I was I was I was reading I was reading that before Fall of the Hulks and just uh, I I love it. It's very similar to the, to the reasons why I really like uh Dakin as a character. Yeah, but see, your Red Hulk is like my Damian Wayne and uh Wayne's uh, Batgirl. (laughs) (laughs) Like them in secret. Well, I read the back of it, and it looks like Incredible Hulks is going to start a storyline called Dark Sun, which Mm -hmm. if that's going to be about Scar, like I think it is, I I might be down with you, Paul. I might pick up Uh, this book. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, I just the art and it was beautiful. The story was good. I, I really dig it. So now is the you know, I'm going to give the Dark Sun storyline a shot. Is the creative team sticking around or is it a new team? It is Greg Pack. I don't know if the artist is sticking around, um, which is Paul Pelletier. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, but I do want to say, starting with the next issue of Incredible Hulk, or there not only is the title changing to Incredible Hulks, uh, but it's going biweekly, kind of like uh, Spider Man. You know, uh, I. I wanted to come back to Hulk, but you've pretty much uh, cemented that I would still hate the book. I quit Superman <laughs> a while back because suddenly there were too many Kryptonians. Right. And if the character's not special anymore, what's the point? And that's what we've got now with Hulk. Hulk isn't special. He's no big deal. There's seven of them. I don't know how many there are. Exactly. Actually. I'm just throwing out the number seven. The seven, I think, lot. is pretty close. Uh, let, yeah. Let's see. You've got uh, You've got two... Two green She-Hulks, a red She-Hulk, Red Hulk, Green Hulk, Scar, A-Bomb. Am I missing somebody? Red Hulk. Isn't there uh, a Hulk baby? No, I no. think that's everybody. Teen Hulk. Right, so the, so Hulk, there's Hulk six. There's, there's six <laughs> Hulks. Six Hulks. Well, it sounds like there's room for seven. Yeah. Who will be the Paul, seventh Hulk? Hulk. <laughs> Bulk. Like, why couldn't... Like, it... I'm so... I'm so pissed you guys have no idea like make jokes all you want but i am fuming like there can be only one well this obviously not (laughs) this storyline this storyline should have been like the green hulk comes back and just starts wrecking ass like just just (laughs) just like kicking characters off of his book not not hulk wants hug (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> tell me that wasn't the line in the book no Please it wasn't no, that, no. that, that, was that the, would have that been was the line in my mind in the back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little uh, Paul's Masterpiece Theater from Greg Pack it says keep on reading friends everything we've set up is about to pay off in enormous ways so hang on Jonathan 
Yeah. Yeah. Keep you know, it going. This big this big event was supposed to be the payoff. Yeah. Like I. All right. Aaron, pencil us in for uh, what if we were writing Incredible Hulk in the future? Yes, sir. I right. love that <laughs> idea. That That's a good idea. Yeah. But you know what? I think one book we can all agree on, maybe, because Jonathan has shit taste, is the <laughs> Thanos Imperative number three. Oh, man. <laughs> I love this book. I have an issue with this book. I really have a big issue with this book. Paul? I loved this book. No, no. I loved this book. And the Thanos Imperative, you know, um, the th- third issue in, I still haven't committed to putting it on my monthly pull. I mean, it's only a six-issue miniseries, but I've been pulling it individually. Uh-huh. I officially with this issue, I added it to the monthly poll, so I wouldn't have to keep doing it manually every month. But my issue with it, spoilers on, is that at the end, Drax turns on Thanos or whatever, blows him up, right? Disintegration. He disintegrates him. And then you turn the page, and it shows the cover of issue four with Thanos fighting Drax. Right. Like, all right, so he's not dead. I mean, which we knew he wasn't. Yeah. But... It is his You know, book. it's like, yeah, it's, it is called it, the Thanos Imperative. Yeah, it's his imperative. It's not some other guy's imperative. It's the Thanos Imperative. But maybe, you know, they'll, they'll X out his name and put the Drax Imperative after. Maybe. You, <laughs> you never know. Jonathan, I, what'd you think of it? Not I thought Aaron. it was all right. It, um, all right, so Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm really, I'm still curious about the whole uh, Galactus engine. And I think that Silver Surfer's a tool. But overall, I like the book. You know, I, I, this book just reminds me of the, the books I enjoyed so much as a kid. Uh, it has got It's all big adventure, you know, uh, big stakes, cosmic scale. This is exactly the, the kind of book that got me hooked into comics when I was a teenager. I just, I, I just dig it. This, this thing is, is, is wonderful. I loved the robot opposition and that you even got to see a little bit of, you know, Herbie in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it was cracking me up. And I love – it has been over 20 years since Marvel killed off Captain Marvel. And that is you know, one of those characters that has actually stayed dead. And I like how they've worked that story into this book and that the this alternate universe spun out of how their heroes handled the death of Captain Marvel. Instead of letting Captain Marvel die, let's go kill death. I, I think this book is great. And I, again – there is there are so many Cthulhu references in this book. Um, if you're a Cthulhu fan, you're going to really get a kick out of uh, of seeing Cthulhu in the Marvel universe. We we talk about the art every issue. Art is still fantastic. Yeah, and um, really suits the, the 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 mood of the book. I think. Absolutely. You know, it is it is horrific in the places it needs to be horrific. It's dark where it needs to be dark. I and it, you really have a sense of just how huge the story is. Uh, there are great scenes. I mean, just uh, the scene where uh, uh, Thanos and the team are walking into to, to this laboratory or you know observation room. It's just a very cinematic type of look to the book. I'm really digging it. I mean, I'm surprised you guys haven't mentioned the most awesome page in the whole book. Uh, it's it like a two-page spread. Well, it's it, yeah, it's the two-page spread that's got the team. Yeah, like and did you notice? Did you notice something there, Aaron? Are you talking about the the team that's going on on the little special strike mission? Yeah. Yes. About, did I notice something? Beta Ray Bill. That's right. Oh yeah. Shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Uh, 
who's the who's the guy? Because I know everyone except for the guy all the way on the right. That is uh, Ronan the Accuser. He is the uh, big Cree superhero guy. Okay. So badass team. Yeah. yeah. Well, badass book. I, I you know I like how they're building it up. I mean, there's so much action going on. Um, you know, I mean, there's a, a war going on. Celestials are dying. I mean, it, it's such a huge event, and they're still building tension to something bigger. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really enjoy that. That you know, it's not just like a slow burn, like a like a freaking issue of Invincible Iron Man, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, you know, with lots of talking. I mean, there's action and build up, and I, I just love how they're they're putting it all together. Uh, you know, because obviously that Galactus engine that popped up, but you know, didn't really do anything in this issue. Yeah. Something is going to happen with that freaking Galactus engine. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the concerns that we had, and we uh, talked about this in our interview with Abnett and Lanning, was what's going to happen once Thanos Imperative is over? Are we going to continue having the Marvel space books? And, you know, they were like, well, it's going to depend on sales. And the good news is, is that Thanos Imperative number one did sell out and went for additional printings. So, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed that that we're going to get to see more of this because I I so much enjoy the space books and in particular Thanos Imperative. If you guys aren't you reading know, this, you need to be reading it. You know, it would be awesome if uh, because a, a lot of these characters, uh, no one's really doing anything with them except Abnett Landing. Yeah, uh, I would love to see instead of uh, just Nova coming back, this team. That'd be an awesome team. Book, oh yeah, it? yeah, space. Yeah. Pull him out of the Secret Avengers and you know put him on this space team because he's well, wasted on the Secret Avengers. Man. Well, besides, start. I mean, you know, uh, Steve Rogers is going to be the next Nova in the Secret Avengers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for that. <laughs> yeah. Woo. So I won't know about it. I won't be buying it. <laughs> oh, you'll know about it. Someone's is is anybody going to buy Secret Avengers or are we done with it? I'm buying Secret Avengers. I'm I totally buying. Why to it. why are we why are we done with it? That book's been awesome. No. 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 <laughs> wow. wow, I've really been digging it. Like compared to some of the, I mean, compared to the flagship Avengers title, Secret Avengers has been great. You're yeah, but you compare crap anything. To crap. I've dropped. <laughs> I've dropped every Avengers title. There's not one of the main titles. Oh, see, I love New Avengers. Yeah, but Wayne doesn't like the characters on the, that team. Yeah, but Wayne doesn't like good things. I thought we'd establish that. That explains <laughs> why I like Paul's mom. <laughs> well, um, you know, I can't help but notice that Tim did not pick up Daredevil number 509. Are you not wanting to know how Shadowland is affecting Foggy? No. What's no, up with I- that? Uh, I could give a, ri- I, I, I could give a rip about the supporting characters of a comic book character that I don't really follow, anyways. So no. Well, you'll never believe what Foggy did this time. <laughs> he fly up in a hot air balloon over Shadowland and say, "Hey, Governor, <laughs> Governor." That is exactly yes. what he did. Are you sure you didn't read this? He read it. Um, psychic. <laughs> So, you know, we uh, we talked to writer Anthony. Oh, wait, no one knows we talked to writer Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't dropped yet. But anyway, um, I, you know, I, I think you're missing out, Tim, because I think this really 
adds to the Shadowland experience. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, particularly this issue with, you know, the Electra, the Electra and Master Ezo story that was and in Typhoid there. Mary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought this, this book really, you know, fleshed it out. Now I do have a question. Okay. When I started reading the book, I thought this book took place before the last issue of Shadowland. Having finished reading the book, I think it takes place before. I think it takes place concurrent with. Well, um, and, you know, and some the, of it's before, some of it's during, because you see Luke Cage and um, Danny Rand on. I think they're on their way there. Now, I, I, here's a, here's a, my question. Okay, Danny, I, I'm guessing that Danny Rand stopped to change clothes before yeah. they got over to to you know uh, Matt Murdock's castle. Um, and he also stopped to shave. Yeah, because I, 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 I don't recall that he had facial hair in the in the Shadowland books. Well, he wanted to make a good impression. <laughs> this I mean, was, there was an a, intervention. There was a sense of urgency, but wait, let me go change into my Iron Fist clothes and uh, and have a shave. See, the the impression I got is that the events of this book take place, and then. Danny Rand and Iron Fist basically gather the group of heroes that go talk to Matt Murdock at the end of Shadowland number two. And when the shit hits the fan at the end of Shadowland number two, that takes place simultaneous with the end of this issue because you see a big explosion in Shadowland. Right. But, um, no, I I thought it was really good. And, you know, again, I do feel that it adds to the story. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, you're, you're seeing other things that are going on that I feel are important to the story. So you guys mentioned Typhoid Mary. I'm kind of curious. Did they go back to her being a uh, Typhoid Mary by name, or is she still Mutant Zero like she was in Avengers uh, Initiative? I don't know uh, about any of this Mutant Zero stuff. I just know that uh, she set stuff on fire. Yeah, she's a – I don't know. Her name is Mary. But, I mean, they, they do reference the Initiative and you know how all of her uh, right. different personalities are one now and things like that. So – um, but I mean, she's not dressed as Mutant Zero or anything. She's in a jacket and painted face and stuff. And, All right. And really, how how far can we be from you know sex with a crazy lady? So just saying, it's inevitable. Yeah, it's, it's, it has to happen in the next issue. She or is a redhead. Or it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, is that bitch it, Wayne in here? Is Typhoid Mary bitch Wayne? I bet it is. <laughs> The resemblance is uncanny. <laughs> okay. Now we know. Um, now, Paul, I can't help but notice that you're the Lone Ranger on Shadowland, Blood on the Streets. Yeah. I'm very I tempted to pick that up. And you should have. Um, it's good. It's good. You know, it's written by the same guy who wrote Daredevil uh, 509, Anthony Johnston. And, uh, which you'll find out eventually in the interview. Um, you know, he, he he incorporated characters like Silver Sable, Misty Knight, Paladin, and the Shroud. Those are the main stars of this book. Um, you know, street level heroes. And I've always been a fan of Silver Sable. So, uh, you know, I, I was curious about the book. I decided to give it a shot, and it, I think it ties in much like the issues of Daredevil do. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be as important as Daredevil to the overall storyline. I think it's still a tie-in. But, you know, the events of this book, you know, you, you do see Misty Knight, um, 
you know, getting a call from Luke Cage about the intervention that they're going to have that leads into the end of Shadowland number two that we mentioned with Daredevil 509. Um, so, I mean, you know, and I think it's because Anthony Johnston has his hands in all the books with Andy Diggle that, you know, you see that, that close continuity tie-in that you don't necessarily see in all crossovers, Siege. Um, I, I, I dug it. You know, I, I like the characters. You know, you've got a murder mystery. I don't know much about the Shroud. Uh, but luckily, at the end of this book, you get um, a good description of all the characters, their origins, and their powers. That was really, really well done. So I, I actually really dug this book. And if you're enjoying Shadowland, I highly recommend picking this one up. Huh. I'm, ca- okay. I'm, calling, I'm calling a personal foul penalty on you, Paul. Uh-oh. Why? You, you can't use the term star and silver sable shroud and miss unite in the same sentence. It, it can't happen. <laughs> Which is the people in the book are hey, Misty Knight is a star all on her own. Forget about those other folks. Misty Knight, she brings the heat with her metal arm. That's right. <laughs> you know, want to hear something sad? I never knew Misty Knight had a metal arm until I read this book. Yeah, she's all bionic in the one arm. Never knew that. Stark Technologies, man. Wacky. Speaking of Stark Technologies, Wayne was the Lone Ranger on Invincible Iron Man number 29 this week. And I'm left wondering why am I still buying this book? Nothing happens again. I mean, it is cool to see Pepper back in her rescue armor now, but really nothing is happening in the book. I mean, I don't mind heavy dialogue, heavy character development, but they just keep driving home. Tony has brain damage. Okay, we get it. He doesn't – not everything is right in his head, and it's not just missing memories. I Nothing happens. How many issues now have, we, have I talked about this book where nothing happens? Every Pretty issue much, since Siege. Yes. So I think I am finally done with it. I mean nothing wow. has happened again. Yet another month of they do some talking and nothing happens. Can I, I can I say something here? No. Sure. Uh, well, I you know I remember for the Funny Book Awards, you know I uh, I pushed Matt Fraction as Writer of the Year. I think uh, I think the boys lost his touch. Uh, you know, and I'm not just saying that with Invincible Iron Man, but Uncanny X Men. Being afraid of Thor. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about actually dropping Uncanny X Men. And I've already dropped Invincible Iron Man. You know, I mean, maybe... Yeah, not Uncanny X-Men. I'm, I'm glad, because you weren't on the show where we talked about that first uh, second coming, post-second coming issue of yeah. Uncanny X-Men, and I hated it. Yeah. I, I'm i I'm not... I, it, you know what? It's not It's not just him. I'm really not digging the, the X-Books post, uh, post-second coming. And it's, it's going to be weird when the Chris Claremont stuff is the only X-Men books I'm reading. But, uh, you know, I I think that – you know what I think it is? I think it's all that Fraction talk about just enjoy the story, don't worry about continuity. It's coming to bite them in the ass. Now, I don't know because I don't think that – No, that's what it is, Paul. <laughs> it's the ghost of Stan Lee. It's karma. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's continuity issues because something would have to happen for there to be a continuity issue. And it's nothing's karma. happening. Karma. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> so, are you done? Are you done, Wayne, with Invincible Iron Man? I'm done. I, I'm a little concerned, honestly, 
not a little concerned, a lot concerned um, about Thor uh, when he starts. Considering uh, most of you guys didn't like the free comic book day issue of Thor written by Fraction. Mm-hmm. I liked it, but uh, I'm a bit concerned, especially seeing how Invincible Iron Man went. So fingers crossed on Thor. But in the meantime, at least you can enjoy the the Mighty Avenger miniseries. It's not a miniseries; it's an ongoing. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. This thing is month. This mother is monthly, yo. <laughs> Word. Yeah, by the by, the hammer of Thor. Thor the Mighty Avenger is a monthly book, and I got to tell you. This thing is so good. Now, I, I've gone on for this for three issues now talking about how good this book is. This is the first issue, Thor, the Mighty Avenger number three, that we actually get to see some other Asgardians. Um, and so Loki makes an appearance and uh, we get some, some dream images of, of Asgard. And very important, Thor meets uh, Henry Pym and Janet Van Dyne for the first time. Uh, I won't waste your time telling you what you already know go pick up this book it is fan freaking tastic chris somney continues to rock the pencils on this book and uh the 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 story by roger landridge is just terrific i this is once again my book of the month or book of the week and this may be my title of the year thor of the mighty avenger is just so much fun good clean wholesome fun it's, it's a shame it's only a miniseries. It's an ongoing. <laughs> no. <laughs> is, is it ongoing? It is an ongoing. Chris yeah. Somney told me himself. Well, I'm glad it's better than Superman 702 at least. Oh, man. But, you know, really, a steaming pile of crap is better than Superman 702. Good. Good point. Speaking of a steaming pile of crap. Dungeons and Dragons number zero came out. <laughs> and uh, you didn't like it, Jonathan, huh? No, I actually did. I just figured it was a good transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I picked up this book, and I remember saying, I'm going to pick up Dungeons and Dragons number zero last week. And everyone's like, why? And I was, and I was like, for a buck, let me give it a shot. I, I dug it, actually. I enjoyed it. I actually got this at Gen Con when you uh... – when you pick up your book of basically your bag of here's the program and here's your free stuff, right there in the middle of the free stuff, Dungeons and Dragons number zero, the con exclusive cover. Here we go. I got it at Gen Con. It's going to be the beginning of, well, I got that at Gen Con. I saw that first at Gen Con. You know what I did at Gen Con? Yeah, that's what we're going to get. Hurry, hurry, hurry at Gen Con. I've showed you the pictures of what I did at Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> but not the video. Uh, that was confiscated. <laughs> uh, well, Tim, what'd you think of Dungeons and Dragons? Well, Wayne didn't give an opinion. He just said he got it. I actually was surprised that I enjoyed it. I didn't expect to like it, but I, I did like the the character interactions with each other. The conversations were kind of fun. I don't think it's the kind of book I would buy from a month to month basis. But if it were like a one shot, I'd pick up a one shot of it. See, and I, I have to disagree with you there. I, I I see this as a book I could potentially buy monthly. Um, you know, uh, Tim and I both read Dragon Age, and you know, I think we both had some issues with it. And I think Dungeons and Dragons, at least for me, um, kind of avoids those issues by, you know, most of these fantasy books are just straight up fantasy. They're not fun, you know, and 
you know, they're all just cliche. And even though there's plenty of cliches in this book, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, I like the character interactions. I like the characters. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, so I, I might actually pick it up. On, well, I'm going to pick up issue one, and if it continues with the same quality, I might, I might continue with it. See, for me, it's about price point. Um, it, I thought it was, it was okay. So paying a buck for it, not a big deal. But if this, if this sucker has a three ninety nine price on it when it comes out, there's no way I'm doing it. It will. It's so. IDW. All of IDW's books are three ninety nine. Well, it was definitely worth free. Yeah, it was definitely worth free. Definitely worth free. Uh, I'm I'm definitely uh, well. I'm half and half. You know, I'm in I'm in for Dungeons and Dragons number one, uh, but the Dark Sun miniseries didn't uh, didn't catch my attention at all. Yeah, there were two stories in here. There was a preview of uh, Dungeons and Dragons: The Ongoing, and then a preview of the Dark Sun miniseries. Now, does did it bug anybody else that they released this zero issue? And Dungeons and Dragons doesn't start until November, and Dark Sun doesn't start until January. It, it, couldn't they release it like a month ahead of time? They're probably trying to get orders in now. That's a good point because it does say yeah. available for pre-order in September. Yeah. So they're you know they're trying to get the pre-orders in. Yeah, you know I think it was a combination of they wanted the orders in and they wanted the big spectacle that is Gen Con, they wanted to release it the same week there because they were already giving out issue zero there, so they might as well. Start selling it too, Wayne. Let me say Gen Con one more time. Wayne, Wayne if you say Gen Con, oh, Paul, Paul beat me. Cool. <laughs> I mean, you've got well, you thirty thousand people more, that are your potential time. market. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gen Dark Con. Sun was kind of interesting. Dark Sun was interesting. It was almost like Sin City. But in the Dark Sun campaign setting, did anybody read the first Sin City? Boo! I like the first Sin City. Oh, you know, I I've been sitting here thinking you were talking about Sim City. I was <laughs> oh like, yeah, there was a Sim City comic book. <laughs> oh, the mayor was all powerful. He's <laughs> like, I command a fire. <laughs> Jonathan, the story didn't remind you at all of the original Sin City. It's, it felt just like it to me. Dude sleeps with this girl. Cops come in. He's like, I'm going to get revenge for you, Goldie. That type of shit. It, it seemed just like that to me. Yeah. No, you're talking about the hard goodbye, right? Yeah, the hard goodbye. Okay. Yeah, that that's the only Sin City I read. No, because that that was awesome, and this was not... This this made no sense to me because, like, I noticed too when I when I was reading the Dungeons and Dragons one, like, I'm like, this book is made for people who are already somewhat familiar with uh, with like the world and and things like that. So, but I'm not familiar with Dark Sun, so like a lot of the stuff just seemed like ah, uh, and it's like ah, uh, I I didn't like the way the characters look, and I don't really care about that character because he can only say the same stuff over and over again. You didn't notice that? He just kept saying well, he kept saying her name or whatever. That and I am not a slave. Oh yeah. So yeah. he spoke like Marv in Sin City, the hard goodbye. No just way. Marv Marv had Marv had deep monologues and stuff. Well maybe he will. Do we only read six pages? 
Talk about Gla- talk about Gladys and his mitts. <laughs> uh, I am definitely picking up Dungeons and Dragons number one when it comes out in November. Um, so I, I, I did enjoy it, but since we've got Jonathan awake this week, <laughs> we thought we would actually finally talk about New Mutants Forever number one. Uh, this was my book of the week for for this week and last week. Screw it. Ugh, I hated this book with everything I got. Are you serious, Aaron? Boy, I hated this book. I thought it was badly written. I thought it was badly drawn. Uh, I I really cannot find a single redeeming quality to this entire book. The writing is... I mean, I understand it's picking up the storyline that Claremont was working on back in the 90s. Yeah. It is... No, back back in the the 80s, dude. Okay. Um, the, uh, The writing is so poor... The nobody talks like this. I know I'm re- I'm reading dialogue right now. I'm like, what's what's wrong with this? I I don't understand, Aaron. You just kicked me right in the dice bag. Right <laughs> <laughs> this is my book of the week. Well, I fucking hated this book. <laughs> Every fiber of my being. I did. I, uh, I just take notes, Jonathan. That's how this feels. <laughs> <laughs> And what's wrong with the pencils? Like, the art looks really good, I think. Oh, see, I think the artwork just looks very, very blocky. Um, it, there's there's not a lot of fluid to it. I mean, there, the, one, the one panel that I think looks interesting is when the Strike Force come, uh, breaches the uh, Hellfire Club. Right. I, I think that's a nice scene, that one panel. Magneto and Sebastian Shaw, there just doesn't seem to be any fluidity to their movements. Uh, it just... None of it. I mean, there's just. I don't think there's much energy to the book at all. Yeah, I just. Ugh, I didn't care for this thing one little bit. I. <laughs> you sorry. broke his his heart. Well, because it, all right, the only way I can defend this book is to be like, no, the dialogue is good and the pencils are fine and the plot is is great. Like, I th- I think this well, is just uh, I, one of the things I don't care for about the book is the thought balloons. I mean, you've got uh, that's that's old that's old school style of comic book right there. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I don't care for it. I don't care for you. Ditto, pal. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you got you got Danny sitting there. You know, why is Hella here? Amara's family is Roman, not Norse. Where's the link? What's she after? And I just I don't I don't care for. I it, it's been too long. I can't do thought balloons anymore. You know, Sam Guthrie, Sam says, thinks to himself, will you stop acting like a big brother? They're just going upstairs. They can look after themselves. They'll be just fine. I, I just couldn't stand the thought balloons. All right, well, that's, you know, this, this brings you back to an earlier time where... Uh, uh, poorly written comic books? Yeah, exactly. No, no. And, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, when I think about the... The old New Mutants issues that I used to read, they were badly written, and they looked really bad. This is heads and shoulders above. Well, and maybe my problem is I was never much of a New Mutants guy. You know, I bought the probably the first 12 issues of that series, and I, 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 I'm just not much of a New Mutants guy. Yeah, I think I think that's what's happened. I think you're just, I think you're just hating on the New Mutants. But uh, I, 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 you're, I, hate, you're hating on Doug Ramsey. And hating on you a little. And hating on me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you just wanted to be you wanted to be the first one to 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 pull a Jonathan on me. 
Well, you know, I, I've admired your moves for so long. Paul, Wayne, Mommy and Daddy may fight, but they still love us. Not okay? true. Not true. <laughs> we fight because of Jonathan. And and to, to tell you to tell you guys the truth, when I was reading when I was reading this book, my first thought was like, Oh man, I'm so glad this isn't gonna be crappy like X Factor Forever. And like, cause the art to me looks much better. See, I just, I just think I agree. I mean, the art is, is competently produced. What my concern about it is that there doesn't seem to be, I don't feel like it's art. Let me just back up. I don't think that there is an art. I don't think there's art happening on these pages. I think there is drawing happening on these pages. I think that there's illustration on these pages. But I don't feel that there is an overarching artistic direction. I just think that somebody came in and illustrated. Well, that, that's 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 fine. That's what I want. It's when people try to produce art that they fuck everything up. That's when you get the stylized stuff and everything, and you're just like, oh god, just just draw the person. Yeah, I I just don't care for it. I just I don't see any passion on these pages. And again, you the, you're not looking at my comic because there's plenty of passion all over <laughs> these pages. <laughs> and I, I I was a uh, I, I felt a little misled that you know you had a couple of people on the cover and on the first page that don't appear elsewhere in the book. Well, because because some of the team is is elsewhere. Right, but. Uh, I don't think they ought to be on the cover and on the first page if they're not actually going to be in the book. Well, it's a number one issue. They got to show the whole team. I, I don't think they ought to show a, a team that's not represented in the book if they're not going to be, you know, in the book. That's just kind of my thing. I think they ought to be in the book, you know, as part of the story. But I mean, you got Warlock, Sunspot, and was there one other that's not there? Yes. Who's the other one? I think it's. Uh... Uh, Shan. Shan. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty that's a pretty big chunk of the team that's not represented. Oh not... no, Shan isn't on this team. Are, are you guys gonna kiss and make up so we can talk about X no. number two? Fuck Jonathan. <laughs> we are gonna All have right. some angry sex though. That's what we're gonna do. Angry sex, Jonathan. Brace I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. I hope that I hope that. Uh, yeah, I, I support fully the uh, forever movement, uh, and uh, I hope it continues because it's right now. Right now, is all right. As much as you hate this book, Aaron, stack it up alongside, say, that first issue of Uncanny after post Second Coming. So I didn't read that, so I can't stack it up. Oh, see, you're not even reading the crap to see what the good stuff <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't. I, I generally don't read X books. All right, step it up, stack it up against Superman seven hundred two. Well, I would say they're both crap for different. Oh, uh, uh, no. For different reasons, you know. Uh, <laughs> Superman seven hundred two is crap. It has beautiful pages. I love the artwork. I think the writing is, is is competent. I don't like the character that's being shared with me. Whereas I just think this book is crap. <laughs> I, there, I, I find there's I can't tell you anything redeeming about New Mutants number one, New Mutants Forever number one, other than the one panel where these guys break into the house. Everything you else that you book didn't is find the, you didn't find the plot interesting. No, with like the uneasy alliance between the could New Mutants care less. And the Hellfire Club could care less. Well, <laughs> I, well, I this, book, this I, book isn't for you then. 
Well, <laughs> because you're, you're, uh, because these for these it's true. These forever books are made for people who are going to be already invested in and the maybe story. That's, I, I, invested and, in the old run. And I think you're probably right because there's no effort made in this book to make me care about these characters. You know, you, there there is no. Uh, there's no bone that's thrown to somebody who you know ha- is coming back to New Mutants after a long absence. They're expecting you to know who these people are, what the relationships are, and I know a lot of it. You know, from from the core team, uh, not as familiar with you know Amara, but you know I, I'm looking at it going, oh yeah, a Warlock book because I always enjoyed Warlock, and I kind of enjoyed Sunspot. And oh, uh, so that's what this is about. All right, let's move on. You've told me all I need to know. So if we could read Jonathan's <laughs> thought balloon, it would say, "Why is Aaron being a dill hole?" I thought. We were <laughs> no, I have to go to the bathroom again. Okay, <laughs> if you could read my thought balloon, Aaron talked angry sex. So I was thinking back to the female clone version of myself and wondering what angry sex with a female ver- clone version of myself would be like. <laughs> so that would be I, my I, thought balloon. Not so much words, just images. I would think. I would think that uh, it'd be a lot like Hitman. You know, no matter what you do to him, you don't feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, X-Men number two. All right. So this is the second issue of the Curse of the Mutant saga, uh, or storyline, I guess. I call everything a saga. So the, the, we're about an hour into the funny book saga today. Um, no. But so this is uh, the continuation of, of that storyline and the first issue where Blade makes an appearance. And – um. Wayne and I read it. What'd you think, Wayne? Hated it. Really? <laughs> yep. I did like – so I like the story of what's going on with Jubilee. I think that's kind of cool. And I may be on board for the third issue see what's going on with that. But other than that, all the X-Men seem completely out of character for me. The idea that they see all of these red dots representing vampires – mind you, the idea that they can even scan for vampires with Cerebro bugs the hell out of me. But – Okay, let's say they can't. They can. They see all these red dots. They immediately go to, well, let's bring back Dracula. They don't know how many red dots there were before they started scanning. This could be normal. They have no relevant data to make this decision. They're freaking out when they haven't lost a single battle to these vampires. They show up. They fight. They crush the vampires. The vampires run away. Why are they stressed enough to want to bring back Dracula right now? This makes no sense. There's no logical jump in their thought processes. It's just ridiculous. They're all out of character. I I, I gotta disagree with you. I I, I I really dug this book. You know, and if I said, hey, you know, let's scan for vampires in the San Francisco area, and I found about two million red little dots on my screen, I freaking freak out too. You know, I did a sex offender search in my area and found a couple of dots and freaked out. I moved away though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and your first initial reaction, Paul, would be go find the worst sex offender you can and bring them in. My first, honestly, my first one was my first thought was like I should introduce him to the neighbors' kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I really dug this book, and I don't I, and I don't get the the out of character thing. I you know we get. Some good interaction between Colossus and Wolverine in this issue. You know, they're actually fun. It's not everything's not so damn serious. They're actually having you know good banter while they're fighting a vampire. Blade shows up, kicks some ass. You know, 
you know, you've got the Jubilee storyline. I, I, I really like this. And honestly, it's kind of sad that Jonathan's so against the vampire thing because this is the type of storyline that I think would we would see in an X-Men book or in an Uncanny X-Men book back in the 90s, back when you know Jim Lee was on the book or Wills Protasio. This seems exactly like that type of storyline to me. I don't think so. I don't remember any vampires being involved back when Jim Lee was on the book. Actually, there were plenty. I'm sh- yeah, I, I, yeah. During so. the, during the during the nineties run, yeah, I, X- I, the, I, X- I had have I always had, been involved with vampires in some form. Or another. I don't know, dude. I had the entire I had the entire run of X Men up up until post Age of Apocalypse when I when I dropped comics altogether. You know, I'm thinking it was no more vampires. the late eight. I'm thinking it was more the late eighties. I have to agree. I I read the X-Men all through the 90s, and I don't remember the vampire stuff being in there, but I do remember the vampire stuff. And I, you know, I love that Storm is having that callback and remembering Dracula. But yeah, I think all out of character. uh, Storm has an obsession with sleeping with X-Men villains. I don't know if you guys knew that, but uh, she seems to hook up with many villains. In her day, it sounds. She was. Like, I did. She hook up with Nefaria at one point. It sounds like you were calling her a whore. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you bit. what you are in fact doing, Jonathan? Are you I calling Storm a is, whore? I think he well, said that, Storm has knowledge of Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> you guys she, make knowledge so dirty. She knows him <laughs> in the biblical sense, but uh, you know, back when she was wearing leather and had her mohawk, yeah, she was. She was all about screwing the villains and then blasting them with lightning. Well, yeah. Hey, Jonathan, there is one thing in this issue that you would probably enjoy. The vampires leading a woman in her underwear in with a collar and a leash crawling on the ground. Not enough to sell you for the book? An interesting play, Victor Gishner, but not enough. (laughs) Try harder next time. I really am enjoying what's going on with Jubilee, and I want to see what happens next. So I am on board for the third issue. I just the rest of the X Men all seem out of character to me, and I don't like Blade. I definitely don't like the way he's being portrayed in here. So that's not selling me either. I don't know. I vampire heads. (laughs) I don't know. I I really dug this book, and I, I the only thing I didn't like about Blade was his hair. Yeah, the art on Blade is pretty bad. His face, the uh, that weird mustache thing he's got going. He's got a handlebar mustache. <laughs> yeah. Holy, are you serious? Yeah. I got, that's that's the play. That's the play that. <laughs> that was it? That's what sells you on the book. Everyone, look, everyone is much more badass when they have a handlebar mustache. I don't know if you guys do that. But the handlebar mustache is a sign is a sign of cool. Oh, I'm making a note for Thursday. Handlebar mustache. <laughs> uh, well, I read another book with vampires this week. I read Ultimate Comics Avengers 3, issue 1. And it was the most awesome thing ever. It was the most awesome of awesome things you've ever read. Right, Paul? Save the best for last. That's right. Save wow. the best Did- for last. Did Mark Miller steal the X-Men's idea? Yeah. No. <laughs> Apparently the X-Men stole his idea. Um, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, this week on IdeologyofMadness.com, I put out a uh, ragey Red Paul article complaining about Mark M- Mark Miller um, and kind of how much of a dick he isn't is. It, isn't it Mark Millar? I don't know. Millar? 
Marky M. Yeah, Marky M. Marky Mark. Um, and, and, you know, just complaining about how much of a dick he is. I mean, like a real hardcore dick. Um, but before, I, I, I mean, I knew he was a dick, but before I really got mad at him, I picked up this week's book. And, um, you know, I have to say, he made a big fuss about this book. Because apparently he's been planning this for a while, and then Marvel decided to do the vampire thing over in the X-Men universe. And he was all angry about it and upset and complaining and blah, blah, blah. How did that and resolve? Just, did that ever I resolve? I, well, the, the, you know, he posted it on his Miller World forums, all those complaints, right. and then he had them deleted. Uh. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it actually really did resolve. I'm I sure he that was a- something. I wonder if that was a conversation between him and you know Joe Quesada, and Joe's telling me, "Hey, check your shit, pal." You know, Maybe. no talking out of class. Oh no, I'm I'm in I'm in Mark Millar's uh, camp here. I think that that the crappy vampire stuff should be in his book and left, <laughs> out, of, left out of the X Men universe. I think that I, I think he's got valid points there. Well, and here's the thing: I like vampires. I like Blade. So, you know, that's why I picked up Ultimate Avengers 3, number one, even though I didn't pick up Ultimate Avengers 1 or Ultimate Avengers 2. Um, you know, but I picked this one up because I figured I could get it, you know, I could give it a shot. I knew enough about the characters to to, to go into it. Um, now, it features art by Steve Dillon. Now, Steve Dillon, um, for those who don't know, he, he drew Preacher for its entire run, and he's been doing a lot of Marvel work. Uh, Punisher Max, I think he did for a while with Garth Ennis, um, that kind of stuff. He's He's really good with street-level heroes, not so good with super superheroes. Um, so the art in this book, I felt, was a real weak point for me. Uh, you know, the way he draws Daredevil is pretty hideous, actually. I, I just, you know, I, I liked the story of the book. I have to admit, I, I actually kind of enjoyed the book. Um, you know, I, I liked some of the ideas in it, even though I, I'm not familiar with the ultimate. Uh, Captain America, he seems out of character in here for me, but you know, I guess that's Ultimate Universe Captain America. Is he is he acting is he acting like a dick? Yeah, he's right in character. Yeah, <laughs> because like you know, I, I don't know, and maybe it's just me. So they're you know the the Ultimate Avengers are around the room. It's Black Widow, Hawkeye, Nick Fury. They're talking, and Hawkeye goes, "Well, what do we do?" And Captain America walks in and says, "What General Fury always does, Hawkeye." put together a team of badasses i'm like that does that that doesn't sound like captain america to me but yeah, not even yeah, that it, universe is captain america actually i mean it, he, he's generally a lot more uh um conservative than that yeah that's one thing i could say about captain america he is conservative yeah if they if they would have done the uh the the whole civil war thing over in uh the ultimates universe he definitely would have been pro-registration yeah, hmm. and he's so, out. He's out to get that oil. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, yes, you liked the first issue of Ultimate Avengers uh, number three. I liked the first issue, um, and I honestly I liked it enough to buy the second issue, but I'm not going to. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, so yes. you've enjoyed Ultimate Avengers three number one by Mark. Yes. Civil War number one by Mark Millar. Did you enjoy that issue? I did. Okay. Um, let's see. What else has Mark Millar written? Old um, Man Logan this? number one? Yeah, Old Man Logan number one. Did you enjoy that one? I did. Okay. I so, didn't enjoy Nemesis, by the way, Wayne. Okay. So the last issue of Civil War, what would you think of that? Sucked. 
last issue of Old Man Logan. What'd you think of that? Sucked. Yeah, yeah. See, see, see where I think this is going, Paul. Yeah, no, no I'm done either <laughs> way. And and anyone who again go out to ideologyofmadness.com, check out what I wrote about Mark Miller. I I can't I can't support the guy. He's just too too much of an asshole for me. I, I can't do it. If I could give back Ultimate Avengers number one, yeah. this one, I, I totally would. That's how much I dislike that guy now. What I dislike about Mark uh, Millar is that he is so full of himself, and he really doesn't have a track record that supports it. You know, I I, I read all the way through Old Man Logan and the, all the way through Civil War, not because of Mark Millar, but because he has been paired up with Steve McNiven. And Steve McNiven's pencils are amazing, you know? Um, but Millar has this attitude that I'm the shit. I, I'm, I'm the stuff. I'm, I, I rock. Well, Aaron, you know where he gets that ego? From these from these Mark Millar fanboys like yeah. like like my two co-hosts over on Kick to the Dice Bags. If they were here right now, they'd be like, no, Mark Millar is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See, because and, they, and I don't they get love it. His, his indie stuff. You know, stuff like uh, Kick-Ass, yeah. uh, you know, Nemesis, they're, they're digging it. <laughs> I, one of the things that I, that I find so uh, objectionable about him is, you know, he does think that he's the stuff. He, he, uh, he wrote Nemesis to sell it as a movie script. I mean, let's be honest. He is writing comic properties to roll into larger media, you know, which I don't fault him for. But he's just he he sees himself as a rock star, whereas you've got somebody with a proven track record, like Brian Michael Bendis, who writes wonderful stuff all the time. Um, he has you know Marvel has recognized him and has elevated him to to a high creative position within the organization. Um, but he's very humble and gracious, and you know when, when he talks to people, he 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 is very much a thank you for letting me have the most awesome job in the world. You know, same thing with Jeff Johns, and yet you've got this guy Mark Millar who can't finish a book to save his life, in my opinion. You know, and I'm not saying he doesn't finish books. I'm saying he he can't deliver on what he promises in issue one. You know, you know I, what, Aaron, I'll go one step further. Just about everybody we've interviewed has had that same kind of attitude. That every, yeah, attitude they've all been very nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, Mark Millar just doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Uh, he, he guy's a prick. Yeah. In fact, let me just go back a minute. This the the entire reason this conversation started, or the the article that uh, what inspired my article on uh, ideology of madness, was this week they announced that Tony Scott, director Tony Scott, big huge director, is going to be directing the film adaptation of Nemesis, Mark Millar's series that uh, has only had two issues released to date, but was intentionally written with the idea of trying to get some movie rights. Okay, and Mark Millar goes on goes to Empire Magazine, does an interview, and says, "Well, you know, I mean, Nemesis and Blake Morrow are like Batman and the Joker, or Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. So you really kind of need A-list actors that cost twenty million dollars, like Brad Pitt and uh, Johnny Depp, or something like that." And it just totally struck me like the wrong way that this guy who has released two issues of a comic book, is comparing his hero and villain, who are basically just caricatures of Batman and Commissioner Gordon, 
to Batman and the Joker and Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty, like these legendary literary characters. Right. Totally just rubbed me the wrong way. And I just was like, you know what? I got to say something. And I'm glad you did, Paul. And somebody should tell uh, Mark Millar that sometimes getting the $20 million actor is not, not the right route. I mean, I would I would look at uh, a movie like American Psycho for that. I mean, the uh, they were originally going to cast DiCaprio for the role, but ended up going with Christian Bale because he was the right guy for the role and costed less. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they're not going to put 20 – they're not going to sink $40 million into two lead actors for a, a book based on – for a movie based on a comic that's only had two issues. Whoever, it's not going to happen. I'm hoping I wonder whoever, if, again, his ending will be impacted by the movie script because he won't finish it before the movie's written. That's right. And let's be honest, the Nemesis movie, I wouldn't let Bitch Wayne go to that movie. <laughs> I just <laughs> hope whoever does the casting casts Seth Green. As one of those characters, that's what I hope. <laughs> Wait, no, it had, uh, Nemesis is played by Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, and just there you go. yeah. Ugh. Well, you know, I knew you had the hate for uh, for Nemesis there, Paul, but I was surprised to see you have had hate for Wanted. I love the comic of Wanted. Uh, See, this is what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I I didn't read all of Wanted. I hated the movie. um, And I know the movie was different than the book. And Uh, that's a fair hatred, definitely. But he's using the movie as his justification for saying his book was the shit. I mean, the book was, you know, it was a decent seller, but it wasn't like a blockbuster hit like Old Man Logan, which, again, fuck that book because it sucked. (laughs) You know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I liked his original Wolverine story, the uh, Enemy of the State and stuff. But I'm just, you know, I've liked some of his stuff. I don't get me wrong, I have, but he's not the shit like he thinks he is. And it just bugs me because he he puts down other guy, he puts down other writers, and even puts down fans. And, and you know that that just rubs me the wrong way. You know, don't bite the but- hand that feeds you. Don't don't get don't get mad at him. Get mad at the fanboys. It's it's the it's the Peter David effect. Somebody writes a good book once in their life, and then everyone thinks that everything they write must be gold. But Peter David wrote that good book consistently over and over for years. Yeah. Well, what does that matter? There. What does that have to do with books he's writing today? <laughs> that is true. Well, What's he writing just... today? Other than Fallen Angel, what is Peter David writing today? X Factor, oh. Jonathan's favorite book. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I actually I never read his run on Incredible Hulk that he's so known for, but actually a run that I really did enjoy was his uh, his Supergirl back in the day. I completely forgotten about reading it, but I read the whole run and absolutely loved it. Oh, Peter David Supergirl was wonderful. I love that. I love that iteration and I hate that there that she doesn't exist anywhere in the DC universe anymore. It bugs the yeah. hell out of me because I I love that Supergirl too. I read yeah. beginning to end. My wife read all those with me and really enjoyed them. And there's not a lot of books I can get my wife into. But they wanted to go away from it and have a younger, sexier Supergirl. And yeah. I mean, seriously, the old one could do shapeshifting. What's sexier than shapeshifting? Exactly. She could make herself a redhead. 
<laughs> it's Bix Wayne. So usually this is the part of the show where Aaron says, good show, guys. But I think it was more like good therapy session, boys. <laughs> yeah. Y'all ready to hug it out? Yeah. Don't touch me. <laughs> I don't know where you guys have been. Everybody get well adjusted wait, wait, wait. so next week it gets better. Are we hugging it out or tugging it out? Either way. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, good therapy, guys. All right, guys. <laughs> See ya. Later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Stretching your sphincter.